All right, welcome back to the Summits Podcast. Here we are, episode numero five. five. Cinco. Yep. Um, good friend, Julie Drew, joins us today. Hi. How are oh, you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks good. for coming in. Good. Thank you. It's Thanks been a while. Me. I know. With this COVID thing. When was the last time we saw each other? <sighs> a year we ago? Was it Dece- we didn't get together in December, did we? No, we didn't. We usually have our annual Christmas get-together right. and... And COVID put a wrench in all of that. So you're talking so, almost a year and a half. Almost a year and a half. Wow. That's crazy. Well, Heroes. I saw you last year at Heroes. Right. Yeah. Okay. So January of 2019. Yeah. No, 2020. 2020. Was it 2020? Oh, yeah. It was 2020. We yeah. did get that one yep. off. Right. Got that one. Right before. It all runs. It was right before. right before. It was like the last yeah. event. Yep. Wow. <laughs> it still seems like forever ago. I know. I know crazy time crawled there for like <sighs> eight months or whatever yeah <laughs> crawls a generous word yes well we'd like to start out by uh just introducing introducing us to julie drew the, the early years going the, back to motor city oh my gosh the early years uh yes so grew up suburban detroit area um in a town called plymouth um kind of in between ann arbor and detroit and so Lived there all my life, went to an all-girls Catholic school, Mercy High School in Farmington, and um, um, and then applied to IU. Didn't even really know what IU was, Indiana University. What, what attracted you to IU? Anything in particular? No, at the time, no. Okay. A friend of mine had an extra application, and I literally filled it out in the cafeteria <laughs> in pencil. In pencil. Not even wow. official. I didn't know anything about it. So I applied, you know, that was, you know, the early years when it, you could just fill it out like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then got accepted. And I think we were driving around um, in the springtime going to the schools that I had gotten accepted to and with my parents. And it was IU versus Duke in the final four. So that was spring of uh, 1992. Mm-hmm. And were you born yet, by the way? Uh, yeah, I was two years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh, gosh. But um, so we visited that weekend of Final Four and, you know, spring in Bloomington and the games and the, oh, it was just a magical place. So yeah. then I was like, that's where I want to be. And ended Where were up most there. of your friends going? Michigan State. Okay. Michigan. Yeah. Um, somewhere in state for right. the most part. So you're, you want to be an outlier. I wanted to go, yeah, yeah really. Michigan State was my last choice, okay. I, and Michigan was 15 minutes away. Didn't even apply. Yeah. So um, I wanted to kind of get away a little bit, and um, so yeah, who's your bound? And you're better off for it, right? <laughs> right. Well, I came here and I never left. There so, you go. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I don't know if we met at IU. I'd like to think that we probably did, but those not years, officially. Those years were kind of fuzzy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What what were you studying at IU? Kinesiology, okay. exercise science. Yeah. And were you in a house? I was a Kappa. You were a Kappa. Kappa, Kappa Gamma. Oh, I should have known that. I uh, I coached the Kappa flag football team for two years. Oh, you did? That was awesome, by the way. Well, I did that one year, and it was Vila and Biscuit were the... They took over for me, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they were our coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And she threw out nicknames that I had to like yeah. quickly remember. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know. I still see Vila yeah. at um, St. Luke. School. Oh, well, yeah. And okay. 
Yep. Sometimes I have a hard time remembering what his first name right. is. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, we had kind of a side sidebar here. In the summertime, you come back from school and you would call up. You know, this is before cell phones. I know it's hard. Shocking. Can you imagine? I know. But you'd call up, you know, your fraternity brother's house. His mom would answer you and you'd say, oh, is so-and-so there? And you'd buy their nickname. She's like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and she knew, I mean, she's like, you need to call him by his real name. And then you'd be like, oh, crap. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's his name? I, I forgot. <laughs> it was, it was, oh, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Good, Good times. times. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> so Julie and I have known each other for a long time. So like mm-hmm. I said, I'm sure we probably crossed paths at IU. Mm-hmm. Um, if not... Uh, it wasn't long after that. Um, we've, so we've known each other for tw- over 20 years. Right, um, right. In fact, I, re- I vividly remember, I mean, shoot, I remember your wedding day like it was almost yesterday. There's mm-hmm. things I can't remember that an hour ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, re- I remember that because um, for some personal reasons. But um, so we've known each other for a long time. We've we've experienced, co-experienced a lot of different things with, um, yeah. you know, both in our different families, but our, our surrounding core group of friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Julie noted earlier, every December we, some of my uh, Chatard friends and, our, and their spouses get together, and so we have a holiday party every okay. year, and some of those are fuzzy too. Yeah. Um, but we always have a good tradition of mm-hmm. whoever gets this big plastic, like 1970s looking santa decoration and the it's big like big blow up mold no, oh it's like okay four or five foot yeah, tall yeah yeah and of course early years no one wanted the thing because it's not the most attractive <laughs> thing in the world <laughs> um, and you have to put it out at christmas oh yeah. you have to put it in your you have to put it out front, like out in the front, yard yeah. everything okay yeah. all right and then it got to a point where no everyone was trying to avoid it so we would then like sneak it over to someone's house and they would wake up the next morning and there it was <laughs> uh to now it's kind of I'm not gonna say cool. It's probably it a, is cool. Yeah, but people actually now say, "Oh yeah, I'll take it." Okay. I like, want. Yeah, 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 it is cool. <laughs> I don't know if it still works. Like, does it still light up? Oh yeah, uh, Jen Kaplan fixed that a couple of years oh, ago. There you go. So yeah. it's still working. Running tradition now. It is, it is. the little things. It yeah. is. So there I go again, trying to catch I'm myself. Yeah. Yeah. Add not the, using I'm gonna so add that every time. Just take that right there for tally. You. Yep. Okay. we got the so tally. Okay. Twenty-one. Plus years ago, uh, hot summer day in suburban Detroit, <laughs> the Pacers are playing the <laughs> the Lakers. I think it was in the NBA championship. Uh-huh. Um, at Julie and Dave's recep- wedding reception, mm-hmm. uh, I think I weighed about a whopping buck forty. Probably the last time I ever weighed last time I will ever weigh one forty, and that I this is right on the front end of my personal experience. Um, going at the reception, you guys hadn't arrived yet. Everybody's wait, kind of waiting around. Just get just got into the the place where the reception was, and I start. And I'd not been drinking, but I got I was about ready to pass out. Yeah, um, and that's kind of what mm-hmm. led into to my situation. Mm-hmm. Um, sick weird twist of fate that you know as we as we talked about and how all these episodes, everyone has a cancer story. Um. Some of us have multiple. We'll go into into the first one. So with May, May is uh, one of the cancer awareness months for brain cancer. Um, so Julie, if you would tell us your cancer story relative to that. Okay. So your good friend um, is my husband, David. That's why we connected so many years ago. Yeah, David and I went to Shatar together. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. 
Um, and uh, I met David at IU. Um, but he was diagnosed with glioblastoma in 2016. So it was um, a strange event. He um, had just run an errand, come home, um, went upstairs. He said he wasn't feeling great. And then he called me up and he said, something's wrong. It's really wrong. And then all of a sudden started speaking gibberish and mm. couldn't understand him, didn't know what he was saying. I thought it was a joke. So knowing, knowing <laughs> David... He's a jokester. Like, yeah. he likes to make people laugh. So I'm like, this is a joke, right? This is a joke. Speak normally. Speak normally. One of the best wedding reception dancers ever. <laughs> he, <is. laughs> he was, yes. Um, and so I finally said, you've got 10 seconds and I'm going to call 911. So I eventually called 911. I thought he was having a stroke. Was he at home? At home. Okay. Yes. He had just gotten home. And um, found out that night that he had a brain tumor. Um, didn't know exactly what type it was at that point, but um, all things were pointing in the wrong direction. So he was diagnosed February of 2016 uh, with stage four glioblastoma. Wow. Just no, no signs, nothing, just kind of like anything like that. Looking back, is there, was there anything? Sure. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, the interesting thing about the brain is it's so pliable, mm -hmm. and so it can cover up the tumor. And um, so by the time you start having symptoms, it's usually stage four. Okay. So those small symptoms, mm -hmm. you could think of getting older, loss of memory, um, more tired, um, yeah, just forgetfulness. Yeah. Um, you know, you attribute to different things, right? Mm -hmm. So he would have headaches, but he also had a neck injury. So kept treating the neck injury, thinking it was going up to the head. Mm -hmm. Who knows? You yeah. know, looking back, could all of those have been assigned for a few years? Probably. Yeah. But we just didn't know it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So depression. Mm -hmm. And you think, you know, change in mood. You think that, um, okay, we'll try this, we'll try this. And he would try medication after medication, thinking one would work, and they just wouldn't work. Mm. Um, so, unfortunately, with brain cancer, once you get diagnosed, it's usually terminal. So, when they, when they made the diagnosis, um, what was the plan of attack at that point? Yeah, so... Um, Initially in the hospital, they say you need to have surgery right away. They don't say for sure it's glioblastoma and they won't diagnose it until they surgically remove it and, um, and, biopsy, and it. biopsy it. So um, we knew it was a brain tumor, most likely cancer, not officially mm -hmm. anything yet. Mm -hmm. So the first course of treatment was to have surgery. So um, we ended up going to um, Duke. And for um, Sir, Dr. Uh, Friedman was one of the best surgeons that we had heard about in the country. And through the Brain Tumor Network, they connected us with Dr. Friedman. There's two Dr. Friedmans. Uh, one's the surgeon and one's the oncologist within the same program. Okay. Um, and so both of them are world 
renowned. So uh, the Brain Tumor Network actually did everything for us to get us into the into the system. Uh, sent all of our information. Um, within a couple days, we had the oncologist, Dr. Friedman, call us on the phone and say, you know, this is where you need to be. We want you to be here, and um, here's what we can do for you. And the thing about going to Duke for us was the biggest thing was not the surgery. It was being at a university um, setting that also had brain tumor research so that would allow for options of clinical trials Mm -hmm. and um, different procedures that maybe we didn't have locally. Yeah. So when did you guys head to Duke for the first time? Um, his surgery, so he was diagnosed February 6th, and his surgery was February 26th. Oh, so that's, I mean, wow. in that yeah. world, that's pretty quick. Yeah. Really pretty quick. So um, went down there a couple days ahead of time just for some tests and pre-op mm-hmm. things and um, had surgery, and then he recovered there. We stayed there uh, an additional week. After his surgery, um, actually, he recovered mostly in the hotel room. He stayed in the hospital for two nights and then recovered in the hotel room uh, for a week. But we had to go in um, for doctor's appointments. Okay. So at that point, they thought, you know, they got with glioblastoma, there's cells all throughout the brain. So there's the main mass of the tumor, which the doctor... Uh, surgical Dr. Friedman, Alan Friedman, was able to remove the the major mass, but there are these fingers of the the tumor of the cancer that go throughout the brain. So even though you can say you have 95, 96% of it removed, there's still those cells throughout the brain that are in there that you need to address with chemo and radiation. Okay. So we came home and that was the next step was to start him on a chemo regimen and um, radiation. So we did that here locally Mm -hmm. um, with an oncologist at IU. And um, so it was great that we could go to both universities, do our local treatment here, um, but have surgery there and also put him in the system for clinical trials. Yeah. If the standard protocol wasn't working as well as we had hoped. Yeah. So he did um, oral chemo for, I think, six weeks. And then he had um, radiation every day. I think 35 treatments, maybe, um, of radiation. And um, so that causes, you know, with your brain, it's, I say it's the worst cancer you can get. Because, you know, there are a number of different cancers that are terminal. But when it affects your brain, it affects who you are, mm-hmm. right? So it can change you. It can change your mood. It can change your happiness, your temperament, your, you know, just even being awake. It just made him so sleepy and so tired. Um And then there's a number of other issues that affected the radiation, affected his hearing and his sight on that side. Um, um, Yeah, there's just a number of things that that it damages 
in doing the treatment. But, you know, it's the best course of treatment and it's the protocol that they do for everybody who gets diagnosed with, with glio. Yeah. Um, at what point, I guess, during treatments, I mean, I'm trying to visualize back at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember we had our holiday party that year, 20, December, 2016. So at that point you're mm-hmm. nine, 10, 12, 11 months in, um, how, how would you say things were going at that point? At that point, we already knew it was growing again. So, um, um, he came, you know, came back to Indy, I think it was March 4th and then started immediately on chemo and radiation and did that whole, um, treatment. But then by the end of October, I think we found out it was starting to grow again. So, we had gone back to Duke for a follow-up and MRI. That's where he did most of his MRIs. Okay. And um, it had started to grow. So then they looked through their system and, and looking at all of his criteria of his tumor. So the different, um, I forget what it's called, but the uh, you're going to edit this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just the different um, tumor markers. Tumor, tumor markers. markers. Okay. Thank you. That affected the tumor and what he would be eligible for. So they found a treatment that he could start in January. So um, we went back in January, and he had to go for an infusion every two weeks. Was that a clinical treatment then? Clinical trial. Okay, mm-hmm. clinical trial. So um, he started that, and we would go back every two weeks for this clinical trial. Um, and, you know, we just maintained hope. Mm-hmm. You know, with a terminal diagnosis, you just hope, and you just pray, and you hope that something could be the breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was such a trooper. I mean, he, he wanted to try everything and anything possible. And he said, give me more, give me more, give me more, because he just wanted to extend that time Mm -hmm. that um, he could hopefully be here with all of us. So uh, we did this trial and it destroyed him from the inside out. It basically burned him from the inside out. And he knew, he knew the risks but he wanted to try it because mm-hmm. he said, if it doesn't help me, maybe it'll help somebody else. Maybe they'll learn something from this. Um, and um, I mean, he just went through so much. He literally had hematomas all over his skin, all over his body. And um, it got to the point where he got um, hospitalized here at the burn unit at Eskenazi wow. because they didn't know how to treat him because his skin was so bad. Wow. So bad. Yeah. I remember that. That was not, not a good time. Not a good time. Mm-mm. So, um, oh my gosh, he was just such a fighter. He just wanted to try anything and everything. And um, for a while, it seemed like that was working. And then it hit a point in early spring that it just started, you know, killing everything on his body. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously we had to stop that treatment. 
Um, also, at the same time, we had um, heard about a Dr. Roger Stoop who was coming from Switzerland. So the standard protocol of glioblastoma is you have surgery first, and then you do um, chemo and radiation. So this whole protocol is technically called the Stoop protocol. So he was the one that developed it, and he was moving from um, Austria, from Geneva to Chicago at Northwestern. So I contacted him in December, hearing he was coming, and um, David was basically his patient one here in the U.S., and it was closer for us, and it was easier for us to be up at Northwestern than it was to go back down to Duke. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think both universities are great. They both have brain tumor centers, and Northwestern was really pushing to try to build their brain tumor center. So that was a big deal to have him come here. But the difference was just he treated him as a human. You know, he saw we had a notebook with all the pictures of the kids and then the picture of the whole family from prior to him being sick. And he said, let me see that. And he took it and he looked at it and he goes, this guy, I want you to be this guy. And that's my goal. I want you to be this guy again. Mm-hmm. So um, that's he, huge. Not, not all yeah. doctors are like that. No. That's great. And exactly. I will say real quick sidebar. So we kind of glossed over this. Um, they have triplets. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have a set of twins. You're you have a set of twins still baking. Mm-hmm. Um, they she, they one up to us. They, they have yeah. triplets. How old yeah. were, how old were the triplets? At, they were ten at, at when he diagnosed. was diagnosed. Okay, ten years old. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. So it's been a challenge for them and honestly it, it, I'm so thankful they have each other going through it together um so and they're just amazing kids and that was that was really his main purpose in his fight was to be there for those kids he just wanted to be there for for us as much as possible and as long as possible so um you know unfortunately he he had another surgery. So the, the cancer was coming back. We ended up doing more treatment after, um, his treating the skin. He had another surgery for the tumor that had developed at Northwestern and they removed again, most of it, 95, 96% of it. And he was doing amazing. I mean, they transferred him right to the ability lab in Chicago where he was doing physical therapy. He was mm. doing things I hadn't seen him do in years. Yeah. Like l- running backwards, going up the stairs backwards, doing, you know, the karaoke moves. Just he was feeling good, looking good. Everything was amazing. Um, and unfortunately, in the middle of the night while he was there, they called me that um, he had had a stroke. Wow. And it was a tiny little blood vessel, like the size of one in your eye that um, burst in the back of his brain and um, he was paralyzed on his right side and had speech aphasia so couldn't really speak so he had lost everything all that that he had gained was now worse Um, and really at that point so that was in October of 2017 um, he came back home after therapy and tried to continue therapy here outpatient and um, 
he ended up passing away December 30th of that year. So it was a quick two months yeah. of um, being home after that. And really, in talking to Dr. Soup after the fact, I said, the tumor, right? We took the tumor out. And mm-hmm. he said, you know what? At that point, he couldn't talk. He couldn't move. He couldn't speak. Sometimes cancer patients, you just, you know, lose your will. He couldn't be the person he wanted to be. It yeah. may not have been the, it was the cancer that ultimately killed him, but mm-hmm. um, he couldn't be the person he wanted to be and, and, um, and passed on in December. So I he, vividly well, remember our last visit with Dave was uh, prior to Christmas. I don't remember the exact day, but call it mid-December. Um, and he was in hospice care at that point in time. And, and he was, I mean, he couldn't really communicate uh, then. We, we knew he, I mean, he could still hear us. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, and understand. He could yeah, understand. And understand, right? Because yeah. I, I also vividly remember... Uh, another good buddy of ours was staying with him and would keep like his, one of his feet was exposed. <laughs> and so he would take, you know, figuring his foot, foot's probably, his toes are cold, right? So I'll take yeah. a blanket, put over. And all of a sudden, like 30 seconds later, you, you'd be reading something or whatever. And he'd look up and like, it's uncovered again. He's <laughs> like, how the, did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> Cover it back up. Two minutes go by uncovered again it's like okay wait what the hell is going on oh he never yeah. slept with his feet covered yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's crazy like how, like somehow the it's still work something's still working because it's he's kicking it off the blanket off somehow yeah um mm-hmm. and the the one thing i remember is uh so coming back when when david passed uh two two of his closest buddies out of our group were with him um i was the night before maybe two nights before and you know, it was the middle of the night or something, and they were talking, and I can't, I don't remember what they were talking about. Some something that happened in the past, some memory, mm-hmm. and they were talking about it. And Dave like laughed or chuckled or did did something like mm-hmm. where he actually physically showed a reaction, mm-hmm. and you just knew right then and there, like he was he was saving that for that particular moment. Yeah, and that mm-hmm. freaking cool. It's not. Take me a while to be able to talk about it, um, but that wow, it was yeah, was a good one. As yeah. much as he couldn't communicate, he still could. He right. still had a way of yeah. communicating, and just even, just even through his eyes, you know, yeah. he could communicate. I, I will back up what Julie said. Having unfortunately watched this all transpire, which is, you know, that's what helps fu- continues to fuel our fire to keep doing mm-hmm. what we're doing is watching someone go through is knowing that there's nothing. I, I mean, you always say, oh, what can I do right. to help? Like right. the one thing we all want, like, like, oh, here's this magic pill. It'll make everything better. Like mm-hmm. we're helpless. Mm-hmm. Um, what the treatments and whatnot he went through, and I know it's just, it's just part of it, but literally he went through freaking hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had some bad moments, but it was nothing I can't compare um, to the things that he went through. And, and, and I think what, to Dave's point, yeah, give it to me. Give give me whatever you can right. for two reasons. One, hope. Right. Maybe hope. I'm lucky. Maybe I'm the one that turns the corner. Exactly. Or two, God forbid, if I'm not. But maybe you guys learn something from this right. to help yeah. the next Dave right. Drew down the road. Yeah. Um. Exactly. And that's, I mean. Exactly. He would say if it could save somebody else's dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those times sucked for sure. Um, that's why we keep 
you know, mm-hmm. pressing on and trying to do what we can do. Um, but unfortunately, the, the story doesn't end there, does it? No, we haven't had a very simple um, life. No, no. So, do you want to expand on that for us? Right. So, um, so he passed in December, almost the end of the year, almost the last day. But then um, in October of the following year, so just 10 months later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. So, actually, step back to July, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then a couple months later, I was diagnosed. Um, did, did it feel at that point like you couldn't escape it oh, kind of thing? It was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. I mean, that's the comment everybody said was, you've, it doesn't seem real. Yeah. This yeah, I think the first be. time most of us heard it was like, and this sounds weird, but like almost like, oh, whatever, you're joking, right? That's like, yeah. not that you would joke about yeah. that, but like, right. this can't, that can't be right. Right. It was. It was, you, you just keep piling it on and Mm -hmm. we're a very faith-filled family you know we turn to god and and our church and our church community and and hold on to that faith and you're like what did i do wrong what have i done wrong Mm -hmm. how can you give this to me how can i have this you know how can my kids go through this again it was awful awful so my mom was diagnosed with um she was ER, PR positive, and HER2 positive. So estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor, and um, HER2. And I was triple negative. So all of those were negative receptors. So we had completely different breast cancers, oh, but breast cancer at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And with my family up in Michigan and me down here, my mom was getting treated the same day I was getting treated. So we couldn't even be together. Yeah getting our chemo treatment because we were both going through it at the same time, which was so wrong yeah. in itself. The real negative aspect of not being able to be together was horrible, but were there some maybe silver linings going through the process together? You could right. certainly lean on each other mm-hmm. and, and right. each other's sounding boards perhaps. Mm-hmm. Going through the similar thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So how different were her, was her treatment protocol from yours? So, um, she was postmenopause, so she just did a lumpectomy, and then um, I think she did her chemo fir- or chemo first. I want to say, no, 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 I did the chemo first. She did her surgery first, and then did chemo. Where with me, uh, they wanted to take the tumor first, and I did a bilateral mastectomy. And then I started chemo after that. Okay. So um, I think with triple negative, it gets treated differently than triple positive. So mm-hmm. usually they do surgery um, or chemo first for triple negative just to see if it even responds mm-hmm. to the chemo because triple negative sometimes, because it doesn't have those hormonal receptors, doesn't always respond um, to the chemo treatment. Okay. And thankfully, mine responded really well, mm-hmm. fairly quickly. So it was virtually um, gone at that point and um, um, had surgery after that and removed everything. So then after surgery, I um, 
had radiation, six rounds of radiation, where my mom also did radiation as well. Um, so pretty much a similar protocol, just in um, a different cocktail. Yeah. And um, different order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, you know, it, looking back, I was still doing Pilates up until my fifth round and of chemo and tried to stay active and busy as much as I could mm-hmm. and uh, just be a regular mom, yeah. you know, because my kids were still grieving and still and scared to death, really scared to yeah, death. I was going to ask what, to the extent that you can, what, what was going through their minds at that point in time? I can only imagine. Yeah. Just, I, I just fear, Yeah, just huge fear. And I'm sure, and having three mm-hmm. and they're, I mean, while they're triplets and have a lot of similarities, they're all different people. Mm-hmm. They probably reacted different ways. Completely too. different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my daughters would talk a lot about it and ask me a lot of questions, and I think the other two were um, more quiet. You know, it was good that I had one talking, so then the other ones would listen, mm-hmm. but not necessarily ask the questions. Um, but they could hear. My sister had also had breast cancer when she was twenty-eight, so about six years before my diagnosis, she had breast cancer. And so I, and she's doing well and doing great and it hasn't come back. So I was able to tell them, look, what you saw Katie go through, that's what I'm going to go through and I'm going to be fine. And, you know, we're going to get through this and I'm going to be fine. And I think that was the most important just so they knew that, you know, I wasn't, I was still going to be here for them. All right. That goes back to that attitude thing we've been talking about. Yeah. Whether, whether it's. Yeah. You know, you're telling yourself that or at least conveying that to others. It's, mm-hmm. it's all right. part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about earlier that, you know, it sounds cheesy, but that the attitude aspect is, is huge. Major. It is huge. Yeah. It's the hope and it's the attitude that you're going to beat it. Yeah. And um, I think you have to have both the fight and the hope. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have some some bald head comparisons during that time. <laughs> Not exactly. She was th- she wasn't real thrilled about it, but we no, did. No, no. it was after. cold. I didn't realize right. how cold it is to not have hair. And y- yeah, in oh, the shower, yeah. it's freezing. Like you want to wear a shower cap because it's so cold. You probably don't even realize no, it now. I don't. Uh, no, but I would sleep with a little beanie. Did you even on notice my I c- cut my hair this morning? You didn't oh, notice that? No. No. Damn it. <laughs> Missed right. that one. <laughs> See, I remember Vinny with hair. With hair. That's, this is true. True story, yeah. <laughs> and now, here's a, here's a funny story. Real quick sidebar. Uh, at one point when our kids were younger, um, they put the videotape of our wedding in, mm-hmm. and they looked at and they see me up there with hair. They're like, wait, why is Uncle Joe up there with mom? <laughs> like, um, Hello, that was me. I actually did have hair Aww. at one point in time. That's cute. But, oh well. That, and then and then at one point one of them actually hit the record button on that videotape. Oh my god. So there's gosh. now our wedding video that has a <laughs> two god. minute section of like the wiggles or some <laughs> cartoon or something. Like, what? Oh yeah. that's cute. I, think, I thought Cindy was gonna have a hard time. Well it takes you out of the moment when you're rewatching, you know, the right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the wedding. Uh-huh. Exactly. And then the wiggles come the out. Wiggles come right. Yeah. What time what was the date when you were finished with treatment and and mm-hmm. at that point considered cancer free? So finished with treatment July of um I don't even remember. Uh 29 19 
Yes. Uh, diagnosed October 18, so right. July 19. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I, I had my reconstruction planned for the first week of April 2020. I had to wait six months to recover oh, yeah, yeah. or after radiation. And so April mm-hmm. 2020, everything got shut down. March, it got shut down. Yeah. So my surgery then, I, I just had it last fall um, in September. So it kind of extended things a little yeah. bit. But yeah. Yeah. But our 12 uh, year old high school, or sorry. 15-year-old high school humor, we were trying to give suggestions <laughs> on that. <laughs> on the um, reconstruction side. On the reconstruction uh, see, side, yes. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. yeah. It wasn't really listened to, but it's no. okay. It's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. No. So um, we didn't listen to the guys. No. 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 I think the, the answer was, you don't have to carry them around. Right. <laughs> so. No. no. Not interested in no. that. Not that's, that's too many, too many D's. Yeah. <laughs> so, answer. Um, yeah. So I do have one more surgery as a touch up after the fact surgery to mm-hmm. do, but, um, you know, at this point I'm not starting to put yeah. in the rear view mirror. <laughs> right. right. I'm trying to. Yeah. 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 How are, so how, how would you say the kids are doing today? You know, I just talked to them this week. I was driving in the car with somebody, they're teenagers now, freshmen in high school, Um, and I said, just how lucky I am to have these three amazing kids. I mean, they're all a little bit like Dave in different senses, you know, God help a little bit of the humor. (laughs) Yeah. The just, um, and they're just awesome. They're amazing. And they're so, um, grateful, um, humble fun, um, love each other, usually love me sometimes. <laughs> sometimes the door slams and yeah. it doesn't seem like it, but they're really just awesome kids that um, have been through so much, and I just cannot say enough how proud of them I, I am yeah. with how well they're doing at this point with all that they've been through. Yeah. Well, I think that's a testament to, to you guys as parents, number one. Um, and Thank to you. just that, I'm, I'm not gonna say it's, you know, particular to Indianapolis by any means, mm-hmm. but just that community around you. Yes. I mean, yes. everyone comes in and supports however they can, whether it's simple stuff like leaving a thank you note or bringing over dinner to, mm-hmm. Hey, I, I'm there or and, and down the road too. I mean, mm-hmm. five years from now, if your kids have an issue mm-hmm. and it, for whatever reason, it's something I can help out. Then call me. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. in. Yeah. I think, I think mm-hmm. we're all like that. Right. Um, this, this core group of friends and that's, that's what it comes down to is, is having that support network to help out and that's what they can. And that's what you realize in this time of tragedy is you realize how fortunate you are with the circle of family and friends yeah. that you have because I, uh, so many people stepped in to do just the simplest of things. Um, you know, coming over and cleaning my house when I was at the hospital to going grocery shopping, to picking up kids, to keeping them overnight. Um, just so many things, even just sending me a card monthly from somebody that didn't even sign it. And it's just an inspirational card. I have no idea who sent it, but would get it monthly. Um, and just, it's phenomenal, the outreach. And you really feel like, I don't know if you felt this way, but when you're going through your hardest times, 
it's sometimes hard to pray. And that's why when people say, I'll pray for you, it's great because sometimes I just would be so exhausted and so angry and so upset that I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't. And just those prayers would help lift yeah. you up and yeah. the support. Yeah. So um, I think that was really important. But even to this day, there are so many people that I would have never expected to reach out who, who would in some form or fashion. Yeah, And it also tells you so much, um, you know, when Dave passed, the number of people that showed up to his funeral and um, visitation, do you remember? It was freezing, like negative degrees in in January. And we ended up having it in my kid's school gym because I didn't want anybody to wait outside at one of the funeral homes. So we had it in the gym and all of these friends set up the gym so it, didn't look like a gym, you know, for yeah. him mm-hmm. to yeah. be there. Friends brought Oriental rugs and Sullivan's brought trucks of Christmas trees right? <laughs> and lined up the walls. And um, I mean, the flowers, the, it was just beautiful. It really was the drape, you know, draperies. It was beautiful. Um, so you didn't feel like you were in a gym, but, and all this happened without me being part of it, you know, yeah. Yeah. I think Cindy was instrumental in that and helping in organizing that. So yeah. it was amazing. But also with all those people that show up, I tell my kids this, your legacy is is how you make people feel, right? So if if you're kind and you're nice and you're friendly and you're fun, that tells other people, you know, that they're important and that you – enjoy being with them and just that impact on everybody else um, of just the simple smile or working with them um, is so important because everybody walking through would say, he said this to me or he was so nice to me or he made me laugh or he did this. And that, and that's your legacy. It's how people remember you and how you make people feel. Yeah. That's so important. And you don't even realize, you know, day to day, how important that is. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. So remember that, so, Daniel. Sorry. I will. I will. <laughs> uh, it's almost May and Indy. Any, any I know. Plans? We do. We do. So um, my husband's family, the they're big race fans. Um, the family, I think, has been going since the beginning. They've had tickets for where probably 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, and so usually family comes from all over the country for race weekend. This year we have a smaller crew, but we are going. So awesome. Yeah. We have the bus lined up and, and, um, the bus, a bus. We always get a bus and everybody piles in, everybody piles in and tailgates and, um, yeah, it's a great weekend. It's bigger than Christmas for the, for his family. Yeah. Good people. I like that answer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so the, the texts have already started the text chain of now, are your excitement. kids going? Yes. Okay. So that was one really awesome thing is Dave was able to take my son Davis to his first race. Okay. Awesome. Um, before he was um, sick. Yeah. So yeah. And my girls have now been going for the past couple of years. Well, they didn't go last year, but I think they went for two years prior to that. Yeah. Okay. So, do, they, do they like it? 
Uh, they do. They enjoy the excitement of it, and right. they like being there with everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, so they like the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes. But <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yes, yeah. but they wouldn't miss it. They really wouldn't miss it. Yeah, good. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, going or having gone through what you've gone through uh, on both sides, personally and with, with Dave, um, when you talk to someone else who's in a somewhat similar situation, either, you know, separately, mm-hmm. um, what what do you feel like you want to share with them? Hmm. That's hard because you don't want to give fear. And, you know, we've had both sides of it where it was terminal and where I'm, I've recovered. So. And would your messaging be different if they're a caregiver versus a patient? Yes. Okay. It's very hard to be a caregiver. Yeah. You don't realize how hard that is physically, emotionally, spiritually. Yeah. Very difficult. Um, you know, hope. Hope is the biggest thing either way, whether you're the caregiver or the patient, just hold on to hope and fight and um, have a strong connection uh, with your family and God and um, whatever Mm -hmm. um, God or spiritual being that makes you feel good. You know, you just have to take it day by day, really, too. And I remember um, my sixth round of chemo, I thought, I can't do this again. If I have to do this one more time, I I don't think I can do this. But you can. You Mm -hmm. take a few more weeks and you start to get better again and you do it one more time. So um, you just have to take it day by day. Right. And each day is different. Um. And with Dave, you know, sometimes we would have glimmers of the old Dave, you know, and sometimes we didn't. But you just hold on to those little glimpses of the good, the good and everybody and the good times. And when you feel good, you take advantage of those days. Right. Well, we appreciate you sharing your your stories. Yeah. Thank you. Many people have that, especially at, at our young age. I know. Um, I wish it were different. So do I. I know. So do I. But uh, again, thank you for for coming in and, and telling us about uh, You're welcome. the thank stories you. and and sharing that with us and and all of our viewers and um as thank as you. always we're we're here for you. We love you and let us know how we can continue Thanks. to be there. Thanks. Thank, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.